0: You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. It feels like Super Bowl Sunday. You know what like It feels like Super Bowl Sunday. Did we get a vote? How many, like if you're a Chiefs guy, a gal, or do you, or if, yeah? Wow, it's you know Taylor Swift ruined the Chiefs. Can I just be like Can we just address that this morning? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the baby bath water it's all out, Kyle. All right. We're throwing it all out. No, I'm joking. I made this I made this deal with my son. He's 6 and we are a we're a Cowboys family. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, Cowboy, Cowboys family. And I, may, I actually made this deal with my son. He's six and he's still at the, the stage of life where he's really like cheering on teams based on how cool their name is. Like who wants to cheer for the dolphins? You know what I'm saying? Like in the heart of a six-year-old, he's like, that's stupid. I don't, like, I don't wanna do that, you know? Uh, but so I've got this deal with him where he actually chooses what team we cheer for. Like there's two teams playing. I'm like, who do you want to root for? And we've got this situation, right? We've got it, got it lined out where I will root for whatever team he chooses, unless the Cowboys are playing. And we're a Cowboys family. So anyway, he chose the Chiefs. So I guess I'm kind of a Chiefs guy today, but it is what it is. I'm glad we got that out of the way, all right? Now we can actually focus on Jesus, uh, crucified, uh, buried, resurrected, all right? That's what we're here for today, amen? All right, so the title of my message is Moments That Matter. Moments That Matter. Um, The Lord has actually laid up in store for us moments to encounter Him that mark us and change us from that point forward. If you have experienced a marking moment in the presence of God, would you raise your hand? So, so good. This is really good. It's good, kind of good for me to get a feel of it. If you have not experienced what you would identify as a marking moment in the presence of God, what that is, is I came into this encounter with the Lord, whether it was a, a word given uh, during worship, you felt his presence, whatever that marking moment is, I came into this one way and I exited this moment a different way. These are the moments that matter. These are the moments that matter. And the Lord has actually laid up in store for you moments to encounter His goodness, moments to encounter His presence. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna spend the next while together thinking about and processing and unpacking what it looks like, not only just to encounter God, but to position yourself in such a way, to place yourself in proximity of the Father to condition the soil of your heart so that you can encounter the presence of God. I wrote this down. The degree to which you can surrender becomes your measure by which you can encounter. (laughs) What good is an encounter with the presence of God, the living God, if you don't have the level of surrender or the character to sustain that encounter with the presence of God. This is the process of spiritual formation that we have consented to as disciples and apprentices of Jesus Christ. I wanna be a man that can encounter the presence of God and steward well that encounter. And the way we steward that is called surrender. The level of our surrender is in direct correlation with the level of encounter that we will experience in the presence of God. I grew up Pentecostal, all right? So anybody else grow up Pentecostal? All right, good, I just need to know, all right, where my crazy ones are at, all right? So uh, I I grew up Pentecostal, and for those of you who don't know what that is, I mean, it was like gifts to the spirit, always turned on like always turned on so i grew up in a denomination called the assemblies of god and so um it was marked by encounters and moments of encounters with the presence of god okay so i mean i grew up in a youth group where we would do all-night prayer meetings like we would get there and we would just pray all night and just see what happened usually got pretty wild right i grew up in the type of church where if the music was this good you'd catch us making laps around the room you know what i'm saying We're like, we're running laps. We're waving flags. We've got like all types of stuff. Guys, I did a lot of stuff growing up. I did did puppet, like spirit-filled puppet routines. (laughs) Competitively, actually. (laughs) True story. This is the environment I grew up in. And uh, I actually have very distinct memories. I mean, I could stand up here for hours and tell you encounter after encounter, after encounter that I have experienced in the presence of God. I do believe this, that somewhere along the way, oftentimes in the seemingly mundane process of spiritual formation, it's really easy to look up and to struggle to remember when your last encounter with God was. Once again, let me define an encounter. I came in one way and I left marked another way. I do not want to be the type of man, I do not want to be the type of spiritual family and body that has to reflect six years to remember the last time I encountered the living God. I don't wanna be the type man, I don't wanna be the type body that has to reflect six months, six weeks, six days without remembering my last encounter with the living, breathing God, who has laid up in store for you, opportunity after opportunity to encounter His presence. It is moments in the presence of God where we become mart, and we change forever. So I, I have found myself for about the past three months or so in my personal prayer life, really pursuing these types of moments with the Lord talking about the moments that you can't unexperience. It's like you've entered a new category of existence. Like once you felt God and experienced God in a certain way, there's actually no going back. And I found myself just crying out to the Lord, like I wanna feel you and experience you as I did in my youth. I want to be marked in moments, momentary encounters with you. And uh, I, I, was, I was at a pastor's conference three weeks ago, yes. right, Kyle? Um, our, our pastoral team went, um, us, our wives, and it, it was honestly incredible. Uh, Jesus culture in Sacramento, really, really cool, uh, incredible thing. Anyway, Corey Russell, you remember Corey Russell? Was anybody here for the 10-year anniversary service here in this room? Um, that, that guy, he's different. It's a different type of like preaching. Like it it honestly feels like he's cut from that same kind of Pentecostal cloth I was raised up in, you know, where it's like more screaming than talking. Your face is more red than white. That's kind of, that's kind of the environment I grew up in. And uh, man, he preached. I don't remember a thing he said. That's the truth. All right. (laughs) But what I do remember is this. (laughs) I'm just being honest. All right. Now, don't come up to me and tell me that, that'll hurt my feelings, okay? I don't need you telling me, I don't remember a thing you said, that... <laughs> never mind. yeah, that, please, please don't do that, okay? I don't know if my soul can handle that. Um, but what I do remember is this, after he preached this message, incredible message, I'm sure. <laughs> and I say this kind of jokingly, but honestly, I was like, the Lord is here tonight, and I'm gonna go get him. I'm gonna go get him. I feel like the heart rush even now thinking about it, but there's this like contention inside of you that says like, the Lord is here and I'm going to lay claim to the father's heart. And I'm not going to leave this place until something shifts inside of me. These are the moments that matter. So he preaches and then there's this response at the end. And I've been praying this prayer. Lord, I wanna encounter you like I did 20 years ago. Corey Russell uses the words. He says, some of you are in the room and you need to experience the father like you did 20 years ago. That joker read my mail. So Braden goes down to the front and he he was the first dude down there him and his six foot five body, just standing all up in the camera shot up here in the front, hands raised and just, man, going after the Lord. And I was like, I'm, I'm next, I'm next. So I come down to the front and I'm standing there, I'm worshiping him. I don't know how long, probably 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't know. I just, I was lost in this moment. And if you've ever been in the presence of God in, in this way, you know that he can say in a fraction of a second, something that will change the next decade of your life. And it was moment after moment after moment for 20 to 30 minutes. It started like this. Lord, I don't, know what, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I'm here for. I just want you. I just, I just want you. I wanna encounter you like the days of my youth. I just want you. Moments later, it got really messy. Snot bubbles, tears, whole thing, right? This encounter with the Lord. So I walk back. I walk, I walk back after after I kind of like wrapped up that moment, got myself together, you know, like got all the things, boogers and the, all of it. I go to the back, and I'm standing in the back. And our, our group was actually sitting on the back row, like a bunch of Baptists up in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry if you're Baptist. I do love you. I love you. But like I said, I'm Pentecostal. We're front row people. You know what I'm saying? So we're sit, uh, the whole row, is, we're sitting in the back and honestly, the sound was better in the back. That's really why we were back there. So we're, we're standing back there. So I get back there and I'm like, I just know the Lord's not done yet with me. I'm in this really tender place. And so I just, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna lay down somewhere. I got in the least conspicuous pace, place I could imagine, right? So I lay behind the chairs in the back row and I'm like, my right shoulder is touching the chairs and I'm just like hands in my face. <laughs> I'm just encountering the presence of God and living for it, lost in his presence. Do you know Sarah Doan? Anybody here know Sarah Doan? Yeah? Sarah Doan's the most like joyful, bubbly joy bomb of a human you could ever possibly meet. And so sincere about it. Like I adore her. She's amazing. So I'm laying here like this, I'm crying. And next thing you know, I get kicked in the side of the face. I'm like, I'm laying here like this and I'm lost in the presence of God. And next thing you know, shwap. I'm like, what was that? Like, you know, and I'm like, Lord, are you, why are you, why'd you hit me? Why'd you, why'd you hit me, Jesus? I'm like, um, and so I'm like, oh, I, I just kind of like sit there for a second. She double tapped me. She kicked me in the face again. And then uh, immediately after she bends down and she goes, oh, I'm sorry, Steve. I, I thought you were a book. I don't know if you've kicked many people in the face I like generally common practice I frown upon it like generally speaking you know I haven't kicked many faces I've kicked plenty of books there's a big difference in kicking a dude with a man bun and kicking a book you know what I'm saying my encounter was over at that point The best part, though, is there I laid, hands in my face. I'm done at this point. I'm, you know, I've been kicked in the head. I'm more concerned about long-term effects at this point. So my hands are there. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry, Steve. I thought you were a book. And then looks up and starts to prophesy over the people in the back row right there. So I'm just laying there <laughs> between her and these people that she's given a prophetic word. And I'm like, I guess... You- what's protocol here? Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? So I just laid there while she gave the word and then she finished it and I stood up and I was like, that was a good word guys. That's, (laughs) Encounters, man. Encounters with the presence of God. Encounters with the presence of God. We're gonna spend some time in scripture today. I'm I'm gonna have you just uh, mark three places that we're gonna go and this will be where we camp. The first place is gonna be in John chapter one, if you wanna get there. The second place is going to be in Luke chapter five. And then we're gonna wrap up in 2 Peter chapter one. We'll start in John chapter one. Let me set the stage a little bit. Um, We are going to be talking around Simon. Simon who became Peter, Peter who is the rock upon which the church is built. Peter's life was marked with encounter after encounter, failure after failure, victory after victory, rinse, repeat. Does that sound like anybody else's life a little bit? It's not, I'm like, it's, it sounds about right, right? I think there's much to learn, and I'm really eager to dive in today. John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. It says this, the following day, this is the day after John the Baptist has baptized Jesus. So that's where we are. The following day, John, again, was standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, "'Look, there is the Lamb of God.' When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. "'What do you want?' he asked them. They replied, "'Rabbi,' which means teacher. "'Where are you staying?' Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Now get this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which translates to Peter. Let's go ahead and read in Luke chapter five. So it's a bit of an ill-defined time break from when they have that moment to this moment here. This is a very common story that we're gonna read. This is where Simon actually becomes Peter. Um, and, and so it's a day later, two days later, it is, it is in a very concentrated period of time uh, that we pick up in Luke chapter five chronologically. Let's start in verse one. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Listen to this language. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had just left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping in to one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon its owner to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Listen to what he calls him here in verse five, master. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in, uh, in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That's a good day fishing. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees. Listen to this response. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught. As were the others with him. Pay close attention here. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid from now on, you will be fishing for people. And then verse 11 says, as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. See this transformation, as we read about this transformation from Simon to Peter, this is clearly a moment that changed everything. You see, we all know that um, we all know that Peter dealt with some some sin nature. We know that he dealt with some flesh. He dealt with some stuff um, as 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 life goes on. And we read in verse eleven. Uh, verse eleven. As soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. We know this about Peter. So Peter was a bit of a uh, loud mouth. If you yeah, re- <laughs> you watched the chosen. You seen the chosen. Um, It it does a really good job of personifying Peter. But if you read the gospels, um, you really get a good representation of Peter's personality. So Peter's the guy, they're in the garden. Jesus asks his disciples to come pray. And um, Peter, whenever the the, the guards come to arrest Jesus, Peter stands up with the sword and shwa! Cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, Peter, (sighs) like... and then fixes the guy's ear, right? This is Peter. Uh, Peter's also the one that told Jesus, uh, Jesus tells him like, Peter, surely you're gonna deny me three times uh, by the time the rooster crows. And Peter goes, Jesus, you got me confused with Judas or something. That ain't, like, I ain't gonna do that, there's no way. Sure enough, denies him three times by the time the rooster crows. He's also the one that's popping off periodically. He's the one that's just kind of like says it. Like if it comes to his mind, He's just going to say, you know anybody like that? And just comes. You know a few of them? Don't elbow people, please. It's not. Uh, like on the, the mountain during the transfiguration, they're in this awestruck moment. They're in this awestruck moment and just like an awe and wonder of what God is doing. And Peter goes, we should build a monument. Let's build, let's, we're going to build a monument. And everybody's like, dude, just please shut up. Just chill, okay? Just take a breath, chill. The ongoing refinement process of discipleship and sanctification in no way diminishes the significance, the impact or the lasting potency of a moment with Jesus. Now, here's what I mean by that. Simon had an incredible encounter in the presence of God. So incredible, in fact, that his name was changed to Peter. He dropped everything. He quit his business, he turned it all in, he left his family, he left his friends, and he said, I can't unsee what I've seen. I can't unexperience what I've experienced. Like you used my boat to perform a miracle. Like my life is yours. Peter has had experiences, yet he still wrestles with symptoms of flesh. The process of spiritual formation is an extended process by which we become more like Christ. So it's easy to get lost at times in our failures and our struggles and our temptations and our messing up and cutting a guard's ear off or in like, it's easy to get lost in that and to actually reflect on a moment that you had with God and go, was it real? Because I'm still me. Like, is it my fault? Did I, like? Was it emotionalism? Was it like? I have to believe that Peter actually would wonder that from time to time. But what I love is this, is what we read after there's this miraculous moment, this miraculous moment where Jesus brings fish into Peter's boat. Peter's response is this, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. That's verse eight. Please, please leave me. I'm not worthy. I'm a sinful man. I'm not not good enough. I'm gonna blow it again. It's what I do. It's what people said I do. Like I'm not worthy. And to our resistance, Jesus always kindly draws us in. And he says, fear not Peter. I know who you are. I'm gonna make you fisher of men. Fear not Peter. I know who you are. Jesus knows who you are. He knows you, he sees you. And he welcomes you to follow him. Hmm. Let us not ever get lost in the struggle, (laughs) the daily temptation, the refinement process of spiritual formation, because moments are actually intended to give way to extended seasons. You know why Jesus performed that miracle on Peter's boat? is because he needed Peter to see one, hey, you need to get your faith up because up to this point, what had actually been happening is Peter was borrowing Andrew's faith. Andrew was a disciple of John. John declared that's the Messiah. Andrew went and got Simon, brought Simon into the room with Jesus where he could receive a prophetic word that says, right now you're called Simon, one day you're gonna be called Peter. It's okay to borrow somebody else's faith. it does actually, it actually matters very little to me how you got in the room. I believe that the father can encounter you here and now Simon borrowed Andrew's faith and ultimately became Peter, the rock upon which the church was built. But we never should slip into the daily mundane process of spiritual formation and begin to wonder is the encounter that I had with the father real? I assure you it is real. Peter gives us the keys in 2 Peter chapter one. If you wanna turn there, we're gonna read in just a moment. The beautiful beautiful thing about moments is this. They're actually designed to be fuel. Fuel for the day-to-day process of spiritual formation. That's why I said, I don't wanna be the type of man that has to look back into my history six years to think about the last time I encountered the presence of God. I wanna have a database. I wanna have a ripe, thick database of encounters and marking moments with the presence of God. Because Peter teaches us here in 2 Peter that actually there's power in those moments and recalling those moments. Let's read in... uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 12, it says, "'Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them, you're already standing firm in the truth that you have been taught, and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life so I will work hard to make sure that you always remember these things after I am gone. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Moments of transformation give way to the extended process of spiritual formation. See, Peter writes um, in first, first Peter, I believe it's in First Peter, but he says, remember to never forget what God has done. If you think about that, remember to never forget. feels a little bit oxymoronic if you think about it. But if we take a deeper look, what Peter is actually telling us is this, like don't leave it to happenstance to remember the goodness of God. No, put it in your calendar. Remember to never forget. Because if you start forgetting the moments, if you start forgetting the encounters, if you start forgetting what God has done, then you're going to look up and you're going to feel dry, you're going to feel depleted, you're going to kick the pressure valve, you're going to fall into sin. You're like There are symptoms if you do not remember to never forget. Come on, we prioritize things that matter to us. I've got calendar events in my calendar that go off twice a week that say, text your wife and remind her how much you love her. You know why? Because I am going to remember to never forget where we've come from. I'm going to remember to never forget how much she means to me. If it matters to you, then you're going to make space for it. You're going to make time for it. And you are going to make sure that you remember to never forget. I am not going to leave the recollection of the things that have happened to me over the course of my life to chance. Oh yeah, I remember that. You know why Kyle can get up and do ministry time and say, the Lord reminded me of this story um, where, you know, I saw this pipeline and blah, blah, blah. You know why he can do that? It's because this man has a deep, deep well of encounters with the presence of God. So he's constantly looking for what the Lord might be up to in his daily life. The Lord wants to encounter you just like he did Peter. He met Peter on a boat. Why? Because he was speaking Peter's language. Peter got it. Come on, where do you work? Are you in oil and gas? Are you in this? Are you in that? What are your hobbies? Do you do this? Like wherever, like the Lord will actually meet you in that place. And just like Peter had this moment that changed everything before that ever actually happened, he met Simon in a living room because of Andrew's hunger. Andrew's hunger brought Simon into the room so that Jesus could tee up perfectly. This great exchange that's ultimately going to happen in Simon's life. It's like he gave him a breadcrumb, a breadcrumb and said, Hey, Simon, right? Simon, one day you're going to be called Cephas. One day you're going to be called Cephas. I just have to wonder how many of you have received breadcrumbs from the Lord. Maybe it looks like a prophetic word. Maybe it looks like something that happened in a moment of prayer where the Lord has said, like, hey, it's coming. Like, it's that thing, it's going to happen. See, the reason he gives these breadcrumbs, the reason he gives these words are to establish us on a trajectory so that we can encounter his presence. If my target is to wind up in Maine and I look up and I'm in California, I've made a mistake. Likewise, in our spiritual formation, when I've been marked, I'm not ch- chasing the next whim. I'm not, I'm not chasing the next thing. I'm not chasing the next job opportunity or I'm not trying to fulfill my soul through this or through that, or like trying to like constantly change and manipulate the situation so it feels good for me or I can operate with my gifting, no! like. I have been marked by the presence of God and I cannot unexperience what I've experienced. So now where he goes, I must go. When you're steadfast in your purpose, when you're steadfast in your, in, in, in your season, it allows you to stay focused on a trajectory. I recently read this, I recent, or heard it in a podcast actually, but a guy was talking about the migratory pattern of a monarch butterfly Um, I believe is a monarch, but their migratory pattern is that they actually go from Canada to Mexico and back. Canada to Mexico and back. That entire process actually takes four generations, four life cycles of the butterfly. That means that if you are generation number one, you're never gonna see the destination. If you're generation number four, you never saw the end goal of Mexico. You're stuck in Canada. But just like John, whenever he said, that's the Messiah, that's the son of God, he knew his lane, he knew his purpose, he knew his role was to make straight the path for Jesus to come. So whenever he made the proclamation and Andrew and the other disciple are no longer following him and they shift focus and begin following Jesus, he was okay. Because he understood that he's the second leg of the journey. It's not about him. It never was about him. It was about the coming of the Messiah. It's about Jesus. Can I tell you something? It's actually not about you. It's not about what feels good. It's not about what fills your bucket or where you're getting fed. Or like, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And the price was too high for me to get lost in my emotionalism and to forget the fact that it's always been Jesus. It's Jesus now. And it's always going to be Jesus. Can we be so confident in ourselves, such as John, just like John the Baptist, that when these men that he's poured into hours and hours, and they, they've been imprisoned, they've been, they've been in binds, they've broken bread together, but he says, that's Jesus. And Andrew goes, I love you, but I must follow him. I love you, but I must follow him. Can you know your role can you know your role and understand that you might not see the promised land because you're second generation and it's gonna take four generations to get this cycle thing, to use the illustration. And can you actually just be okay with that? Stop chasing whims, stop chasing high, stop, ch- pursue encounters with the presence of God and let that be a light to your path and a lamp to your feet my life has been marked with moments (laughs) moments moments we've got a dropbox folder my wife and I where we actually store every prophetic word that we get if someone gives us an impromptu prophetic word oftentimes i will say hold on can I record this give me a second We've got prophetic words dating back years. I've got tattoos on my body that symbolize prophetic words and things that the Father has spoken over my heart. You know why? Because I'm gonna remember to never forget. Prophetic words, encounters with the Lord, they're actually intended to do one of two things. They're intended to confirm your path or to challenge your path. Ready our hearts to hear you, Jesus. Ready our hearts to hear you, Jesus. I believe that there's two things that happened in this moment with Peter. One, God changes him from Simon to Peter. At the end of Luke chapter five, that's the last time we ever heard Simon referred to. He was marked, he's different. That's something only the Father can do. I observe in this passage in Luke chapter five, and verse two, it says that Jesus was getting ready to preach on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he noticed, he noticed the boats. I have to imagine he's walking on the sea and he sees the boats and then he sees Simon And he goes, I remember that guy. And so he notices him and then he approaches him. He actually preaches this message sitting in Simon's boat. That could be an awkward sit if you're Simon. Hey, can I borrow your boat and preach? I wonder wonder if Jesus was long-winded. That's what I wonder. My guess is yes. He noticed him. I know that guy. He's the, he's the guy I prophesied over. He's, he's the guy that Andrew brought in. Yeah, let's, let's use his boat. Then he gives instructions in verse four. Hey, push your boat out a little deeper. Throw your nets off the, off the side. Watch what happens. He noticed, he instructed. And then the third thing he invited. Once Peter had this encounter and he sees all the fish on his boat and he realizes you are the Messiah. He's no longer borrowing Andrew's faith. He's got his own. I watched you do it. I watched you do it. I watched you. I watched you do it. I've got my own experience now. Like, and his response is, please leave me. I'm sinful. I don't deserve your presence but Jesus invites him, (laughs) he invites him. So Jesus notices you, like he sees you in your season. He'll give instructions to you. He'll give you instructions. And then he's always gonna give an invitation. God's so like God. That's so like God that when we resist him, he just draws us in closer. I t- I'm not worthy, I don't, like Jesus, I'm not, I can't. He says, no, like, I know you, I see you, I want you. I long for you. And that's what he would say over you today. I notice you, I'll give you instructions and just come with me. Come on, will you come with him? Come with me. I also believe there's a second thing that happens in this moment with Peter. There are certain things that only the father can do, but then there's something that happened, something that happened in the heart of Simon. There was this curiosity that he would actually find himself on the shore of the Sea of Galilee in the exact moment that Jesus was there. You see, I believe there is this curiosity inside of Simon I just wanna know, like, is it real? Is he, I just need an, I don't know. So he's just gonna put himself in proximity with the man who is Jesus, just to see what might happen. The Father will meet you there too. If you don't have much faith to offer, maybe life's got you beat down, maybe you're just new, like, to faith in general and you're like, I don't even know what this looks like and you're just kind of here borrowing someone else's faith, whatever, that's okay. The Lord can meet you in that place too. Simon was actually stewarding the prophetic word that he had received from Jesus that one day he's gonna be called Peter. Simon's like, okay, all right, okay. I don't even fully know what that means, but I'm gonna get around you long enough and with enough intentionality until I know what that means. Some of you actually just need to wrestle in the tension of stewarding that word for a while longer. (laughs) Stewarding that promise for a while longer. Understand his ways are higher. He's not a liar. He just thinks different. So Simon puts himself in proximity, why? because he's got to taste and see that the Lord is good for himself. Come on, we should be people that are pursuing moments with the Father, pursuing moments with Jesus. I pray over my kids every night before they go to sleep, and I welcome welcome angels in their rooms, and I welcome the Holy Spirit into their rooms because I want them to know what it's like to encounter God. Because just like Simon, they too have to taste and see that the Lord is good. When they're three, six, and 10, they can borrow my faith. But one day they're gonna be 18, 25, 50, 60. And they're gonna have to have experiences that keep them endeared to the Father's heart. Come on, we have to be people that get in proximity with Jesus so we can have marking encounters with Him daily. I observe and read in Luke chapter five, starting in verse four, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Listen to what, l- Listen to what he says. Awesome, thanks, that's great, Keenan. He says in verse five, he says, Master, Simon replied. We worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing, <laughs> but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. This is, this is Simon going like, come on, Jesus. Like you just commandeered my boat and preached for four hours. You want me to go out deeper and fish again? We just fished all night. But because you said so, I'll do it. See, Peter was actually not contentiously arguing his authority, but making sure Jesus knew, like, hey, I'm kind of a professional. This is what I do. And Jesus kindly just listens. Hmm? I imagine Jesus is like, I'm kind of a professional too. This is kind of what I do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the fact that Simon calls Jesus master indicates that there is at least a certain level of authority that Simon is willing to give Jesus. Master, because you said so, I'll do it. In Hebrew, the, the word that he uses there is epistates, which translates to commander or overseer. Okay, so he says commander, overseer, Because you said it, I'll do it. Here's the reality. He still activated his faith and did what Jesus said, even though there was maybe a little bit of hesitation or reluctancy. Why? Because he gave Jesus an authority spot in his life. But let's fast forward to Luke chapter five, verse eight. Come on, please lean in, get this. Luke 5, eight says this. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, this is after the miracle, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, Please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. Over the course of three verses, verse five to verse eight, we have gone from master to Lord. Let me tell you what, Hebrew, what, what the Hebrew word is there, it's kuros, which is properly a person exercising absolute ownership rights. Absolute ownership rights. You see, when he's master, I still reserve the right to kick the pressure valve. You are my commander, you are my overseer, but I can leave. It's considered wall. there might be some consequences, but I can still make the decision, this isn't worth it. This got too hard, this church hurt me too bad. I don't like what they said. What, like I can still kick the pressure valve and leave. Oh, but when he's Lord, he has absolute ownership over your life. I can't unsee what I've seen. I cannot experience what I've experienced. You are now Lord, you are Kuros, Lord of my life. Absolute ownership. I've burned the bridges. There's no escape, there's no pressure valve. Any possibility of doing anything else, going anywhere else, being with anybody else is a non-option because you are Lord. It's a heart posture that changed inside of Peter because of a momentary encounter and experience that he had in the presence of God. And then Jesus invites him. I'll make you a fisher of men, walk with me. Behind every encounter is an invitation. Do you hear that? Behind every encounter is an invitation. Walk with me a little closer. Stay with me a little longer. If you're looking for a directive in your life, pursue encounters with the Father. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to RenewLifeChurch.com.